Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 24 for Monday, July 20th, 2015. folks and welcome to gig gab here as usual in durham new hampshire i'm dave hamilton los gatos california welcome paul kent how you doing mr kent good man it's uh we're in the dog days of summer now and uh a lot of playing a lot of listening a lot of good music out there yeah i i agree on all counts it's uh about ninety four thousand degrees outside here and uh and the same is true lots of good music lots of good listening yeah it's cool. Did you play this weekend? I did actually. I had uh, I had well one two gigs, one of which was canceled, uh, but worked out okay. And uh, and then I I actually went and saw a show. So I um, my Friday night gig was supposed to be an acoustic gig, and it uh, it wound up getting canceled because uh, actually it was a it was a personnel thing. Uh, the guy who sings in Monkey Fist, John had uh, his baseball team that he coaches went to States for the first time. And their first game was on Friday night, which he never expected would happen, but happened. And he wanted to be with his kids. Um, his baseball kids, his, his, his own son doesn't play on that team, but uh, ah, understandable. So yeah, we canceled it, but it, it worked out well because um, the gig that I played uh, and helped out with on Saturday night was uh, that Tommy tribute that, uh, that Peter Hounslow, uh, who was our guest last week? Oh yeah, played in and and Friday night they had a a little party where everybody sort of got together and and had you know uh, beer and appetizers and and whatever and hung out. So it was really kind of nice to actually hang out and because it was basically you know at least half musicians there. The guitars came out and we wound up singing tunes and it was funny. We wound up and we did some who songs with those guys just to kind of warm things up. But then it, we, it broke into, you know, whatever it was, you know, uh, Van Morrison and the Eagles and, and the Grateful Dead and all that stuff at all the songs that I would have played at my gig had I been there, but it was, <laughs> but it was kind of, and it was, I, I even kind of commented on that and we were all singing harmonies and all that, but it was fun to do that. I know we always say we enjoy our gigs and we do, but you know, it was yet more proof that, I mean, I had just as much fun hanging out, you know, uh, on Russ's back deck doing this as I would have at the gig. And it's, you know, it's, it's a testament to the fact that we, we actually do enjoy this and we do it anyway. Cause sometimes we do, you know, yeah. so. you, you, I know you well enough. You just love being around musicians. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, was that a thinly veiled drummer joke? No, <laughs> 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 I would never do that to you, my friend. I, I would never, ever do. <laughs> I, I think I pay you many compliments. I about you your, I and you know a lot more music than I do. So absolutely not. <laughs> One quick question, though. I have never canceled a gig the day of. How, did, how, did, how does that work? We canceled it on Monday. Um, right. And and he had prepped the this is a, a club that we've played many, many times. And uh, and he had prepped the owner of the club ahead of time when he realized that, you know, the, the stars were, you know, potentially aligning in this direction. So, got it, it. it yeah, I think and the guy was very cool about it. And, and in fact, it, it happens to live in the same town that John's in and was was really happy about the team. And so 
it, it was it, there is no problem with the relationship with the club because of this. But yeah, day what? of would have would have been a little it would have been a bad move. Yeah. Was it on you to find your own replacements or did you just cancel and, the, and then the club owner fixes it himself? We offered to, but he uh, said, oh, you know what? No, I've got somebody that I'd, I'd love to ch- test out and it's all good. So, yep. You know, like no, no good deed goes unpunished. So I got a friend's band, a gig at a, at a local club and they've done pretty good there. You know, they don't play it very often, but they've done pretty good. And then they had a gig that they had to, uh, a scheduled gig there that they had to turn down. And the guy who I gave the gig to my friend calls me, he goes, Hey, I, I got to cancel on this gig. Do you know of anybody who could replace us? And so I referred um, a couple people. I said, well, does the owner of the club want to get involved? He goes, nope, he wants me to take care of it. So I referred someone and uh, a good band took the gig, you know, on, a, on about six days notice. And um, like I said, they're a good band, but the draw wasn't that great. And of course, stuff falls downhill. Who does it fall on as, as the, the problem there? Me. All, all, all the way <laughs> to you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. You got to be careful with that stuff. Right. Is, um, is, is the moral to that story because you're right. It's, you know, it's on you and, and it's, you know, I, I, and I know you're this way. You're just like me. You want to help everybody you can, but you've been burned enough that you go to help somebody. And there's always that pause. Like, yeah, where's this going to go? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. So anyway, um, so that was Friday. So I am very excited to hear about this who thing. So Peter was a great interview last week. That was a lot of fun. I have taken some peeks at the YouTube. You just crushed pinball wizard. Anybody out there listening? Is that, is that published someplace where anybody can see it? Yeah, it's on, it's on YouTube and Facebook. So yeah, we can, we can absolutely put it in the, uh, in the show notes. Yeah. So I, I had the pleasure of, of being invited to sing pinball wizard with them. Uh, They did, as Peter mentioned last week, they did two sets. The first set, was Tommy in its entirety with no, no breaks and really, you know, nothing. And he, 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 I thought very astutely explained why that, you know, they, they do it that way. Um, And then the second set was a lot looser and it was sort of a, you know, who's greatest hits kind of thing. And they had a couple of guests in the first set and a couple of guests in the, in the second set. And as I said, I did pinball wizard, which, uh, which actually went off really well. They, it was, they're all talented musicians, so I I don't want to take any of that away from them, but it was really obvious how much time and effort they had put into learning and rehearsing this material. And, uh, and it really paid off. I mean, it was, it was like butter sliding in with, you know, with these guys, they just knew their parts and everything was great. And, you know, I just was able to do my thing. We, we talked a little bit about the harmonies and then actually Peter sent out an email uh, during the week. He had charted out the harmony and after that, we never talked about it. I just, you know, I like, oh, okay, that's what you want me to sing. Great. And that's what I sang. And, and uh, they just fit their parts in right around it. And it was totally pro. It was great. All right. Oh, so much fun. So back up a little bit. So they, they came over, you know, they had a connection to Russ. Yep. Who took care of the logistics. It was a theater show. It was held at a, at a formal theater um, venue, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it, it is a theater. It's an old opera house is what it is. And they have, they put on plays there, but they also put on rock shows, you know, where they would have a, they would clear the floor. In fact, it's the only theater left in the country, the Rochester opera house, uh, and per- perhaps in the world that has a moving floor. Right. And it's a mechanical moving floor. It, it takes 45 minutes for the floor to either raise or, or, or flatten. And so it's either a flat floor 
or which is what it was on Saturday. Uh, and they put some tables out, which was a perfect way to have people kind of sit and, and hang out. And then um, they can raise it up. The back of it gets raised up about four feet so that you have uh, angled seating for, you know, a play or. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, they had it flat. They had it flat the night before for a full on rock show. Uh, that was, you know, like dancing and, and that kind of thing. And then and then this was, you know, more. Than and what was the capacity? Well, that place will hold 750. Um, but it it and it has because it has a balcony as well as the floor. But um, I think there were about my guess is it was about two, maybe 250 people there. And the way they had the seating and stuff spread out with tables, it 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 was full. I mean, it, it didn't feel empty. It, it actually felt quite comfortable in there. Yeah. What did tickets cost? Fifteen bucks. And um, how were they sold uh, online or at the box office of, of the opera house online? You mean like an event, right? Type of thing. I, th- uh, I think you can just go online to the, I think they have their own thing okay. to sell tickets. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And so two fifty, where it was everybody happy with two fifty, or was there higher oh. hopes at one point in time? Oh no, no. Everybody was really happy with the turnout. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yep. It was great. It was great. The guys, you know, the band, I say the guys, there was, uh, there's a woman that sings in the band as well. Frida, but um, they made they made a little bit of money. I mean, clearly, they didn't make enough to cover their. Uh, they didn't expect to make enough to cover their their travel expenses. <laughs> yeah, but um, but the labor they, of love. They were so stoked, you know, standing with them uh, backstage right before they walked out to you know to play the first set. They were so stoked to be playing in America. Wow. Um, it was a pretty magic thing. It was, and it was magic all night long. I mean, it was magic out in the house. And, uh, and it was a, you know, with all the guest vocalists and stuff, the, the backstage was never a dull moment. Everybody was just totally into it and really just, you know, watching and singing along on the, in the eaves. And it was, it was a, it was a really, really special thing. And they, I mean, they, they played everything really well. And, and the vocalists, I mean, you saw my thing, but I posted some snippets of the other folks too. Everybody did such a killer job and the band too, you know, my, one of my favorite moments in, in Tommy is, the amazing journey and sparks thing uh, because those pieces are just so hard to, to they're syncopated and, and, um, and they have dynamics and, and they, they just did it so well. Oh, it was awesome. Cool. Yep. That's good. So watching that video, just, I had a bunch of thoughts that were coming to me about projects like that, you know, again, labor of love projects, you know, as a musician, you love this stuff. And, and um, sometimes, well, let me frame it this way. Your and my's cover band are different. Most decisions in my cover band have to do with the, the dance ability of stuff because we get sold to play it at events where people like to dance. Sure. Almost exclusively. You go down a classic rock and, you know, some, some, uh, and I, I mean this respectfully. Sure. You, you indulge some, some uh, musical taste that I couldn't do in my band. I just, That's right. it's, it's not what my band's for. But watching this is like the whole other spectrum. I mean, you do this project because it's a creative outlet that you want to express your love for a certain type of music or, a, you know, a certain artist or something like that. And you, you see it all the way through. I thought it'd be really cool to just kind of have that discussion about when you're in a cover band, you might be a dance band. It might be a performance band. Harder to book if it's a performance band yep. or, or not, because actually you do it. I mean, you, you, your band plays and evidently you can play you could play even more if you wanted to playing a mix of danceable music and just good rock music that, you know, you know, is going to resonate, resonate with people. It, it's and true. Then Although there, there are some, I mean, we, we have to be a different band on different nights. There are times when we're booked for an event 
that, you know, would be very appropriate for your band. And so we have to tailor our, our set to, to cater to that, but, but it, right. by and large, yeah, you're right. Yep. Absolutely. So, you know, I do that black Sunday roadshow thing, which is just a yeah. musical expression for me. I, I do more acoustic stuff now, which is just a musical expression. I, you know, I've always wanted to find guys who with the same amount of passion for it as I to do a Springsteen tribute. I mean, that would be my favorite music. It's really funny. I was thinking about that as I was walking over to the studio today. Like, you know, Paul would be perfect to do a Springsteen tribute. I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, But, but actually I would only love to do it if the other musicians like the music as much as I did. That's the thing is, and that's, I think I've shared this is even now in, in the bands I'm with, when it doesn't sound the way it feels to me when you listen to the original, when something's not quite there, a vibe, a, you know, uh, uh, an emphasis, it's really hard for me to stay in the moment of the song because it's like, oh, how much are we going to screw this? You know, how much are we going to how much are we going to detour from that feeling that made it a special song for me to begin with? Yeah. So that that's that, that would be I'd have to have guys who are as much into evidently, you know, when we talked to Peter. He said everyone in the band that performed last this weekend, they were into the nuances and realized that they had to pay attention to the little things in order to perform the music. Well, that, so that to me is a, that's a little bit of a diatribe about how you approach tribute music. But I just think it's as a musician, it's very rewarding to break out of genres, to um, express different types of music that you love. And it, like you've done this and you've played in many genres of music. Like you played jam band music for a couple of years, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, fling detours into that realm occasionally, but but we don't spend the whole night there, right? I mean, it's not the the focus of what we do. But yeah, when I was on the road with Hypnotic Clambake, that was very much jam band, but not, you know, probably very different from what most people would think of. If if you said we're going to see a jam band tonight, and you showed up at a Hypnotic Clambake show, you'd probably be. Uh, pretty surprised by what you got. But in the end, you'd say, yeah, they were a jam band, you know, because it was yeah. I mean, the, the 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 root and the foundation of the, the Clambakes music was all, um, you know, Cajun and Klezmer and Zydeco and bluegrass and and this very, you know, ethnic music was really kind of the the the, the core of what uh, the Clambake does and still does. But but yet opens all of that up to whatever happens in the moment in that jam band style. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, check it out. If you could do your dream project, what would it be? Wow. Um, I don't, I don't know that I have one to be honest. I, I, I learned. So this is interesting. I used to think I had a a dream project. Right. Um, And, and of course that, that Mark changed throughout time, but two things happened to me and and they were very uh, time-wise. They were spread pretty far apart. Number one was, when I was in high school, I was doing, you know, I was massively into prog rock. Right. And, and so I think at that point in time, if you had asked me this question, I would have said, well, you know, I want to do some kind of, you know, uh, I don't even know if it would have been like a rush tribute, although that certainly would have been on the list, but you know, it would have been something in the prog rock realm. And then I was asked to play drums in this very, you know, poppy um, at the time for me, very, you know, uh, alternative kind of thing that, that we were playing the police and REM and the cure and the pixies. And, and at the time, other than the police, I hated all of those bands um, to this day. I really only dislike one and, uh, and that's the pixies. And I just, it's just that I don't care to listen to them. But what I learned was I'll play anything. I, I just, I, I, I will enjoy playing anything, 
you know, there's always something in there that you can, you can, or I can find. And the same thing happened with me, you know, a decade or more later down in Texas when I was hired to play in a country band. And I could have said, no, I mean, it wasn't like I was forced to do this, but I said, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll do a couple of gigs with you, whatever. And, uh, and it was the same kind of thing. It was like, wow, I, I never have listened to this stuff other than right now to learn it, you know, for this gig, but playing it was like, Whoa, there's a whole other level to all this stuff that I had no idea was here. And I, I can, I, I don't hate country. I can listen to it. It's rarely the thing I would choose to listen to if, if, um, if I had my druthers, but, uh, but I like it. And the same thing's true with the theater stuff, right? I mean, do I sit down and listen to Broadway show tunes, uh, in my spare time? Not usually, Sometimes there there might be something, but usually that's, hey, I really enjoyed playing that show. I'd like to hear that music again. Um, but yet in the moment, I'm totally stoked to be playing it. Totally. All right. So you putting together. So that was your, a way, my way of avoiding your question. I don't know what well, my, yeah, exactly. my perfect yeah. project was. Yeah. <laughs> well, what about right here and right now? If I, If you were to come across three or four guys who had that same level of passion and knowledge of prog rock and you could see yourself literally diving deep into the nuances of, of a set list that had two rush songs, two yes songs, a couple of King, King Crimson, whatever it might be. Would that be yes? Sign me up that no problem. Oh yeah, it, it would. Yeah. It, it, but, but it's funny if you had offered that to me, even five or six years ago, I think I would have said, no, I was really, um, and this is going to sound wrong. I was really happy playing, you know, cover music and stuff. And I still am, but the theater thing sort of woke up that part of me that that wants to be technical and and dive into things and really dissect things and really perfect things. And and I don't get that in in a cover band, which is fine. You know, it, it's 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 a different sort of thing. But I would I would very much love to to put the time in and and uh, and do that. And I've been thinking about, you know, OK, so really and really what it is, is I just need to find the right musicians on Saturday after uh Mika, who was the drummer in the who thing i had set up my drums actually earlier in the week but we got there early on saturday because they wanted to do a whole run through and at one point i sat behind the kit and just started playing and as soon as i sat there peter looked at me and uh and started playing rush tunes because he and i uh i don't think it was on the show but after the interview that we did with him we started talking about rush and he you know he professed his his love for the band which is more uh, more, more, less common in a guitar player than it is in, say, a drummer or a bass player. But he's a total Rush nerd, and so we wound up. We played three or four Rush tunes, and was like, "Oh wow, this is actually really <laughs> kind of fun," you know. And he he looked at the bass player is a Rush guy too, so the three of us just did it. And uh, after a couple of them, he looked and he's like, "All right, the next time we got to come back to the U.S. and and we'll put together a Rush tribute with Dave, and we'll do this." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, man, that's I'm, cool. I'm in." Yeah, I mean, it was I'm a joke. In. It's it was a joke, but this thing on Saturday night started as a joke when Russ said to Peter, you know, back in the fall, Hey, you should come over to the U S and do your, your who tribute. And then sure enough, you know, here we are. <laughs> so, yeah. And it, some of the things you said are really interesting because it almost is that same conversation of cover material versus original material. It's like, what as a musician are you dying to express? And so as you were speaking, I was thinking to myself, I, I like have not, I've not played in an original band and my attempts at writing original music just frustrate me tremendously. But I get it that, you know, you, like uh, um, someone once asked Billy Joel, how does it feel to hear your music on the radio? And his response was, it doesn't suck. <laughs> <He's>, you know, <laughs> the point being, you know, th these are my children and they're going out and, and I, I, I get philosophically what that is. 
to me, I still, and maybe this is where a lot of people and why a lot of people stay in the cover and, and, uh, and tribute genre. They, um, these songs are just turn them on so much. The need is to express that feeling of what it feels like to hear those songs by playing those songs and wanting other people to feel the same way you feel when you hear these songs. And this is why it goes across. I mean, dance music is kind of like a big common denominator and it's not a bad scorecard for how you're doing at a gig. It's a pretty easy lowest common denominator scorecard. Sure. But it, it would be an interesting thing. So if you felt incredibly passionate about playing Tom Sawyer, like this song just got you going, gave, you know, gave you a, a physical you know, feeling and you wanted to express that as a musician by performing it and interpreting it because you wanted to see other people have that same. Remember how we always say, you know, it's all about proving you're right. Your taste being so great. Yeah. That's a large part of what this is. And so, you know, my it, point to all this was, it, was about, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's funny you picked that song, right? I mean, I know it's the quintessential rush tune in terms of the most popular and all of that of all the rush songs that exist, that would be the one I would be the least likely to suggest for a set list. Now I know it would be there if I were to do a rush tribute band, right? Because, because of all the other reasons, but it's not the one that would uh, speak to me, but that's, no. that, that's okay. It's, I, I don't hate the song. It's just, there's others I like better. And you know, and so it's, but that's what I'm saying. My point is, is, is no matter how esoteric or how deep into the you know, deep cut a song is as a cover band musician, a lot of the decisions you're, you're making decisions of songs, you know, will work with your audience. Yep. And you're also making decisions about songs that you feel strongly that you can move people with. Fair. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're when it, when it changes from doing it just for you to doing it because you're in front of an audience, um, if things change and that's true in an original band uh, as much as a cover band, because I've done both and, and you have to, you know, when you're in front of a crowd and you know, you're going to be in front of a crowd, you have to think about how to pace the set and how to, you know, all of that stuff needs to come out. At least I, I can't do it without doing that. Maybe some people do. And, and, you know, I guess more power to them. I don't know how successful they are, but maybe they're very, maybe, maybe that's the difference, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's interesting. I, I guess if it, to answer your question, if I had my druthers and could play whatever I wanted to play, it would be a band that doesn't play out. And that blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, I, but I, I don't, it wouldn't be the only thing I wanted to do. Right. I, I still need to feed that part of me that wants to play in front of an audience and do all of that stuff. But what I am missing in my life right now is, is that freedom to just play whatever it is I want to play uh, with musicians that are, you know, at the same or perhaps even, even better, a higher level technically that, uh, that can, you know, that we can play some of this really interesting stuff that isn't is only interesting to play and perhaps not all that interesting to listen to. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I'm just not much of a jam guy. I just sit around, you know, that type of thing. It, it, almost every song that comes through my mind, that would be something I would want to play. It is immediately attached to, oh, this would go over great. Right. You know, this would connect, connect. It, 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 it's almost, it's almost inseparable for me. Like everything is about, boy, this would really get the audience feeling this or, 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 you know, moving this way or responding this way. Uh, just about every cover song that comes to my mind, I can picture it 
and you always picture it going over. You never picture it not, not going yeah, over. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> well, sometimes you have an idea and then you picture the wah, wah, wah. And it's like, yeah, oh, maybe exactly. they, we'll, we'll put that one off to the side. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, but it is interesting. I, the point of all this, of course, is, you know, I started with a, with a band and then it does what it does. And I love what it does but I had a need to do some other things. So Black yeah. Sunday Roadshow does this Americana stuff. Solo acoustic does some stuff. The music that I play with Acoustic Madness, I, you know, that I've gone on and on about what a great singers that I get to play with. And, you know, we play Carol King stuff, like kind of like seventies, you know, AM radio you know, type stuff. And, um, I love, I love some of that stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's beautiful. I mean, these are some of the best crafted songs ever and it's, it's very fun. So and this, we can, dot this all the way to this is like i don't get the guys who put up an ad on craigslist and say yeah i'm getting a band together the goal is to play once a month how if you're a musician can you feel connected if you have, if you have music that needs to get out of you you've got to play I, i've used the term gym rat before yeah. a musician should play you should be doing it as much as as physically possible it's good for your soul it's good for your chops well it's yeah, good for I- yeah, but I get that once a month thing resonates with me. Um, perhaps not right now, but but certainly, you know, you you didn't play in bands. You completely took the basically the your children's childhood out of playing music. Right. right. So right. so, it, you know, as someone who did not do that, that once a month thing is is uh feeds that beast while still you know feeding the the little beasts you created right you know um so i i I totally get that and 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 again i mean we don't i i can only you know project into what we reading we don't read on craigslist you know maybe it's children that is the reason somebody wants to play once a month maybe it's you know work commitments or other you know other things in their lives so i get that uh, there have been times when I've been very adamant about, no, I can't, you know, I, I have to turn down this gig, even though I hate the, I mean, it never have I felt good turning down a gig, but sometimes mm-hmm. I've understood why I have to, you know? Um, so I get that, but, but at the same time, you know, less than once a month, I can't, I can't live with. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had said that to me. You said that your wife had said you need to play because you are a much more pleasant person when you're playing. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's better. I, I, you know, I've said this many times and I, and I, and this holds true for frankly, our, our entire friendship and, and everything we've ever done together, everything good that has happened in my life, I can trace back to music somewhere. And so I, and I know that. And so I just, I got to keep doing it because I, I'd rather have good things in my life. Would you say that it's because you have a reverence for what music brings you? Like you respect the place that music has in your overall life creatively productively, emotionally, physically. I think that's part of it. it? Um, Yeah, I do. I actually get even deeper about it. I I think that music is the best way I personally can connect with other humans. Um, I'm not all that. And I know I come across as very gregarious and all that. I'm I'm really, if if I had my druthers, I'd just sit in my house and never deal with people. Um, (laughs) Uh, and, and I know that I know that I know you don't believe it when I say that. And, I, and that's fine. I understand why that, that it come, I come across that way. But but music is truly an environment where I I love to interact with other people. And I think that translates. Right. I think other people on the stage or other people in the rehearsal room or wherever it is, I think that comes across. And um, and so that's why. I think that's why good things have happened for music because it's an, it's, it's the most honest I can be with other humans. 
And that's the key word. And you and I have said this many times over the 24 episode is that the essence of music is truth. The essence is, is a very honest portrayal of an emotion or a state of mind or, or whatever you want to call it. But that, that's the thing. And so I, I get it entirely. It, like I know you well enough and I, you know, you and I have been in business situations together. I get that business is something that you do and, and, and you have to do. And, and I enjoy don't, it. Don't get me wrong. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not going there. It, but, but a natural inclination, like, like small talk is hard, you know, be, being, being social when you don't want to be social. And that's a requirement of business often. Yeah. That is hard. So given the, your druthers, you would rather withdraw from that. But when you put sticks in your hands, it's a very natural way for you to express constantly. It's not, it's, it's the opposite of small talk, right? Yeah. And, and one of the things I love, and it happens occasionally, and you can't plan for it, at least I can't, but I, I mean, it is, you know, one of the favorite things that I get to experience in a, in a recurring way in life is when, you know, you sit down and it usually happens in band rehearsal because on stage there's, there's a little more pressure and, and times, you know, uh, structure to it. But what I love is you sit down in a room or you get into a room and musicians are there and everybody's kind of tuning up their instruments or maybe you've played a little bit and now you're having a conversation and then somebody starts playing something and the band, the conversation moves from being a verbal conversation to a musical conversation. And it could just be playing a song you all know, but just that, that transition where there's no, there was no conscious delineation of, Oh, now we will stop talking and play. You know, nobody said let's play. It just sort of happens. I love that. It's awesome. That's interesting. Again, you and I have, this is where you and I are very different. You um, thrive and need to be around musicians. Yeah. I'm much more in my own head. I am much more like my view of the world. And, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to say I'm meant to be a leader of a band, but, and I don't mind being a side person when that's the role, you know, I I can accept that. But so much in my head is like, and I've learned this, it would be a great episode. You know, I've learned, you know, I, I like to like the people I make music with. I think that's an important thing to do, but I've also learned that there are lines that you actually have to draw in order, in order to, uh, for me, to be productive. So, you know, the, and a a little bit of, is it all for one, you know, is there a leader or is it a, or is it a democracy? And you know, where does that go? I've actually found myself getting more protective over time, more careful about my interactions. Also learning. And it's like a constant battle for me, learning how to be extremely clear in my communication with other people about, you know, what I'd like to see happen. That's, so this is all kind of an evolving thing. You, in, in the way you describe these interactions, you are happy to just sit in a room with musicians and see what happens, right? I, I, Musically, yeah, it, socially. It's true. Um, I, I wish that I could simply be a side man because I like that role. But I, I have too big of a mouth for that to always be. I'm, I'm a, at the very least, I'm a side man with a very strong voice. And that, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but there's times where it's like, I just want to play. And I guess in the theater pits, I, I actually get to feed that, that particular desire because it's not, sure. I'm not in charge usually. But again, I, st- you know, I'll, I'll step outside my bounds and, and fix things that are broken. You know, but you're very bright. That's the thing is if you're going to be a sideman, you have to be a sideman for people who can drive the boat. So you can be a sideman, right? Correct. That's the That's- problem is right. If, if, if I'm a sideman and I see that there's a, a gap in the leadership, 
I will not let the gap simply remain unfilled. That's a character flaw. It's totally a character flaw. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm aware of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know what my problem is. I just can't fix it. <laughs> yeah. Physician, heal thyself. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. Oh, man. Right. So uh, what's coming up this week? Uh, I have a gig on Friday. I have a... Uh, it's one of those gigs. I think I've described it before. I don't know if I've played one since this, since we started the podcast, but I think I have at, uh, down on Hampton beach in New Hampshire at a club called the boardwalk. There's yep. our, our, yeah, our job at that gig is to be the after party, the unofficial after party, of course, for, uh, whoever's playing next door at the big casino ballroom, which is like a, maybe a thousand person room. And maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's 2000 person room, whatever it is. They have, you know, sort of be low B high C level acts that come through there. And slash was is the that last a good one. gig? The, the 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 gig that we do, yeah, it can be. You have to it, you know you have to know your role going into it. We know that our job is to entertain the people that have just watched music happen for several hours, right? So uh, so we have to be playing when they come out of that uh, that gig, and then we draw them in just with our sound into the club, and then. And then we cater to them and play whatever it is that uh, that we can play to, to keep them happy. It's usually a very long set. Uh, sometimes we don't even take a break. We, we'll play one set sort of before that ends for whoever happens to just be in the bar. And then we take a short break. And then when the people come out, we play and basically play till till closing, which is fun. Yeah, yeah it, it usually you we have had some of our our best gigs there, but they're never predictable. You, you just kind of have to go with the flow, which is which I love. I have an interesting question for you. So your band, um, what is, what is the cover band scene like that you compete for gigs? Would you say you're, uh, an A-list band for good gigs there could be if you wanted to be, I mean, if you were to kind of characterize this, this gig, for example, is this a gig many bands would die to get? Yeah, I think so. It's a, it's a good gig, you know, it pays well. And, uh, and you're, if you, if you play your cards, right, which is really just play the timing, right. You've got a good crowd in there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a desirable gig for sure. Yeah. And so it, would you say fling is, you know, in a top tier of desired cover bands in the area? We're probably in the second tier there just because we don't really, because we don't have the availability to play all summer right, long. Right, right, right. Yep. Um, and so we've, we've had to, you know, we've had to kind of take that down a notch just because summer we're happy to take vacations and play the gigs that we can play. And, and it's okay, you know, but um, it's but an yeah. interesting question though, isn't it? Like yeah. when evaluating a scene, like, you know, where are you in the pecking order? I mean, I, I'm, this is a generic question for anybody listening. Sure. You know, where is your band in the pecking order? Are you just starting out and you're making a reputation? Are you, have you been around for a while and you're not getting the better gigs, not getting as many calls? Have you baited into that top ring? I'm, I'm a pretty competitive person by nature. Yeah. And so part of gauging my band's success has always been about, you know, what, what are, what's the pace scale and what are the, um, and again, we, we, you know, we talked about this good gigs are some combination of crowd and environment, you know, like, is it a nice place to play that type of thing? Yeah, totally. And, and, and so the whole kind of like ascension of the house rockers, I've always had my eye on what other bands are doing and the types of gigs. And I'm also really sensitive when there's good gigs out there. And, you know, if we get submitted for them or considered for them, uh, you know, how many, are, how many are we getting and how many are we losing out and why are we losing out? I think about these things actually quite a bit. Yep. Yeah. I, I, 
I don't worry about that with fling as much as I would like to, if that makes sense. Again, because I know that we, and I'm part of this. I, you know, it's not, it's not everybody else's fault. It's probably more my fault than anybody else's, but I know that we cannot, um, prioritize gigs at the, at the level that we would need to, in order to be in that a list, um, around here. And that's, that's a very important thing to say. You can't just say you're in the a list. There are certain things that you have to do and your reputation for delivering the goods has got to be earned over time. Some of that is frequency. I mean, that's right. you know, it's, it's pretty hard if your band is, you know, only going to play on occasion to be thought of as opposed to those bands that are playing that you see them all the time. You know, they're getting the good gigs, they're delivering the goods at the good gigs. And so it, it, it availability is certainly one part of it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, right. There's a, there's a whole lot more to it, but if you know that you don't have that, the rest is really tough to make work, but even, but I'll say that, you know, we actually do it pretty well. We, we play some gigs that other bands look at us and like, how do you, you know, how I do get you, those gigs? How do you yeah. get those gigs? And, and the answer is the same all the time. We make it happen. And, and part of that is, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty productive person. You know, when I'm driven to do something, it happens. Russ is more of a taskmaster than I am. Even he he's actually really good at keeping me on task, which is great. I love Russ. <sighs> yeah. You got to talk to Russ last week. So yeah. 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 I have a man crush on Russ. I, we all do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's same. Exactly. So yeah, Russ really, and Russ organized this, you know, he made this, this Tommy thing happen. Obviously he didn't rehearse the music and didn't play anything. He should have, but, uh, but he didn't. So, but he, he's the type of person that when he sets his mind to something, he makes sure he does what he needs to do and, and, and really drives everybody else to make sure deliverables are where they need to be and, and all of that stuff. And that's true in business and music and, and all of that. So, um, so yeah, that's how things happen with fling is, uh, we set our mind to, to, you know, okay, yes, we're all in. Yep. We want to do this. Great. We will make it happen. And that's yeah, what you well, got to do. It. It's like anything Playing in a cover band is a competitive sport. Yeah. Well, and it, you want to talk about even harder is playing an original band. Yeah. 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 That's, that's seems to me an exercise of sheer will often because, you know, you, you, I hear this great original music that I'm in awe of and realize how few venues there are to, to express it. And the concept of selling your music, you know, when music is hard to sell these days and and everything like that. Yeah. Original music is just a, a whole world of wonder to me that, that, uh, I just slack jawed watching people pursue it's, it. It's, I'm not going to get into it now because I know, well, a, we've been all over the map with this episode and it, this B, this is a better topic for another one, but, but there is, there is a way to make original music work even on the local level. Um, but you have to take it beyond the gig and, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. A good, a good, another conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, this was all over the place, but I think, uh, you know, if I was to kind of sum it up, we talked a little about, the need to express your, your musical visions in ways that might not be so obvious when you join just a cover band. Yeah. So I, and I think that that's, it's a good thing for all musicians to think about however you might want to do it. Solo, other styles of music, um, diving deep into certain artists or whatever it may be. If we just look at this whole thing as a journey, you know, these are a lot of the paths that are available to us to kind of continue to feel vibrant and, and creative and, and expressive. I, it's it, that, that Tommy thing was really fantastic for me to watch just that these guys did it, that they figured out how to get overseas. All hail Russ. 
Yeah. I mean, just everything about, about what you showed me and talked to me in the interview last week, that's what it's about, man. It's about picking something you're passionate about, being really good, rehearse the hell out of it, ex, you know, get deep into the weeds of every nuance and think about every, every specific detail to make it beautiful and then getting out and, and whether it's one person, 250 people, 750 people, that actually doesn't matter as much as long as, because if you can save one person's life with a great song, you know, you're doing your job as a musician. And that was it. You know, that show ended on Saturday and, and I walked from backstage out into the house to say out of my family and stuff. And, and I had this one guy come up and he's like, Oh, you were awesome. I, I sang another song. I'm not going to put this video up. If somebody else does, it's, it's fine. But that morning they asked me to sing substitute. And um, I'm like, why Henrik, the other guitar player is like, well, I didn't realize it was on the list. So I didn't learn the lyrics. Like, well, I didn't realize it was on the list. I didn't learn the <laughs> lyrics either. You know what, 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 you know, who am I? And I said, well, I, you know, I've got less fear than sense, so I'll do it. You know, and I did it with, with a music stand out there and actually went fairly well. I, I, I screwed up one thing, but the, the band vamped and, and kept me going and they, they're pros. Right. But, yep. um, some guy came out and he's like, man, that was awesome. I said, thanks. You know, it was a fun thing to do. Part of the time. He's like, no, the substitute thing. It's my favorite who tune. And I'm thinking I'm cringing. Huh? Like, Oh, I screwed it up. You know, I, I, <laughs> I didn't deliver it as well as I know I could have, if I knew yesterday that I needed to learn these words, you know? And uh, he's like, no, 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 it was awesome. And it was like, wow. Okay. Boom. Yep. Boom. Done. Right. Yep. So l- less fear than sense. Can I use that? I thought I was going to use it for myself, but you can have it. No, it's good. Thank you. Everybody I, should have that. Yeah, I need that. <laughs> yeah, we all. Right. That's what it, that's what it is. And you can. And, and the nice part is if you burn out on saying it one way, you can just turn it around the other way. I have less sense than fear. It doesn't matter. You know, it's all true. <laughs> cool stuff, man. Thanks for listening, folks. We will see you again. Actually, you and I need to talk schedule. I don't know when we will see you again. It'll be a week or two weeks, but uh, we'll, we'll figure it out and, uh, and we'll take it from there. Thanks, Paul. Good, good talking. Bye.